The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. My legal job and me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new podcast series here at The Hearing. We're very pleased to announce the My Legal Job and Me series. And what is My Legal Job and Me? Well, Nowadays, there are so many different ways of being a legal professional, so many different ways of being in the industry. And so we thought it would be so interesting and actually potentially helpful to dive into these different roles, give you a snapshot of what people's lives are like and what they're doing and how they're practicing law in 2022. My name is Janeta Sedilakova. I am a biodiversity and climate risk lawyer and I have a portfolio career, which means that I work as an associate in private practice, but also I run my own company where I uh, work with different clients, usually in the area of biodiversity risk, which basically means that I advise clients on how to mitigate their exposure to climate liability and biodiversity liability risk. Now, when in my practice area we talk about the liability risk, it actually means the risk of litigation being brought against the company or government or um, risk of regulatory fines or any other fines or even arbitration. And the purpose when we look at it for us is to advise our clients how to mitigate that risk. So essentially how to do the right thing. But because both climate and biodiversity are such fast evolving areas, Sometimes it's really hard to know what the right thing is, and that's where we come in. In terms of the typical road into into that uh, area, I don't think there is a single typical road. Like I think you can requalify, you can end up in the the practice area by different means. But I can tell you that my road was kind of like boringly traditional. So I did LLB, then I did LLM, then I had to do GDL as well because my LLB was in Scotland, so I had to convert to English law. And then I had to do LPC and training contract and qualified into the area. So I was the traditional kind of uh, student slash academic going to practice. But um, I know so many other people who came from uh, scientific backgrounds, for example. My biodiversity risk work uh, focuses on policy and research. So it's not, strictly speaking, legal advice. And uh, I work for my client uh, called Commonwealth Climate and Law Initiative, CCLI, who are a think tank that looks at how climate and biodiversity crises shape directors and fiduciary duties. So very, very niche, but very impactful because you can actually change the behavior of decision makers through doing this policy and research work. So that would be the scope of what I do on my typical day. And I do a lot of research and reading and analyzing, and it goes very much beyond law. So I I do look at legal research, but then I look at policy science, um, market developments, and I have to kind of like pull them all together and analyze them and come up with, okay, what does this mean for future? Because the law is only developing. So I have to have indicators of how it might develop so that my clients can adopt strategies that are most likely to have impact. And once I kind of come up with these analysis, I then uh, go on LinkedIn and find a lot of people who work in this area or similar area. And then I message them and chase them until they agree to have a call with me because I want to check and most of them are so kind and willing to actually talk about these things and I get them on calls from Australia from Canada so sometimes the days are quite long because of the time zones 
And I just talk them through my analysis to hear their views. Did I get it right? Or do these very smart and intelligent people who work in biodiversity see it developing differently? And that is kind of my my self-check because I'm doing work that no one else has done. A lot of the analysis is genuinely coming from my head. So, you know, it's really important for me to check with other people that this is what they see that, uh, being developed as well. I, I do love the, that my job is so dynamic and different, so cutting edge in the sense that I do work that I have no precedent for. I just have to look at all these papers and figure something out. Takes forever, takes time, but then the results are so, uh, you know, gratifying in a sense that I have figured out myself. And obviously there is a lot of purpose in doing that work because that means you are advancing agendas of these very impactful organizations and corporations who want to do the right thing, but without legal framework in place yet, it's really hard to know what the right thing is. So I'm trying to kind of help them understand what it might be in future. And I find it really obviously purposeful and gratifying in that sense. Uh, the variety of the work is fantastic as well. Challenging parts is exactly stemming from the fact that there are no precedents, there are no articles when I get asked a question, there is not a single article I can find that will answer that question, which means that the responsibility for that work is extremely high and I always feel very um, high level of responsibility when I submit something to my clients because uh, I need to triple check you know, whether my analysis is right. And this is why I always reach out to other experts in the area, because that's the best way for me to check whether the analysis I came up with from scratch is something that they would say, oh, yes, this is right. Or they would find some mistakes or some nuances that I need to be aware of. So the level of responsibility that one has in an area which is so fast developing and still not legally formulated is, is really challenging. It can really undermine your self-confidence in a sense. And I think the best way for me to tackle it was really to talk to other experts. The challenges are definitely kind of managing more things at the same time. So managing more projects, having to source your own business is definitely a challenge of such a career. Uh, and sometimes you would have more uh, email accounts because some clients would want you to have internal accounts, some are fine with your account. So just managing more inboxes, it's, it's very much like management function that you really have to learn. Uh, that's also something I really enjoy. I do enjoy developing the business. I do enjoy managing it, which is something that as an employee, you don't, don't get a chance to do because often you're, the business kind of comes from the people higher up in the hierarchy. So until you get to that stage, you are not doing your BD. You are not doing the management of a company. It comes later in your career. So I really enjoy the fact that I can do it early on and develop that skill. And strangely enough, I also enjoy accounting, which my friends who are barristers, for example, they say like, oh my God, I can't believe you enjoy accounting. But I do enjoy that kind of side of business that I'm not only a lawyer or researcher, legal researcher, but I actually know how to run a business, uh, which which is amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it you have to balance it with the challenge of um, a lot of management. It, it, it's, it's a lot. It ends up being quite, quite time consuming. My legal job and me. On the outside, you're a lawyer, calm and cool, but inside there's a passion to perform, a drive to be absolutely on your game. 
You prepare hour after hour, day after day in the pursuit of excellence, relying on superior resources, serious preparation, and total confidence. That's the advantage we give you. Be your best with Thomson Reuters Practical Law. So portfolio career is usually in, in law, so I'll be specific to law, is a career of a professional who works with more uh, organizations, either as clients or they can also be employees. So you can be employed in a law firm and then an NGO, or you can have your own company and work through that company for a law firm and an NGO. So the legal structure doesn't matter. What matters is that you strand private practice and academia or private practice and uh, the think tank kind of aspect. Uh, obviously, you have to make sure that there are no conflicts, so it would be really hard to be in private practice and then lobbying, because sometimes that comes to conflict. So you have to be very careful to align those two or three, depending how many you want, um, positions with one another. And the, your value then becomes really different. So when you strand your private practice in academia, you can bring insights from private practice into academia and then from academia into private practice. And you, you become kind of this uh, connection between different people who think differently. So academics obviously would think differently from practitioners. So you can make the introductions, bring in the different thinking to clients' work in private practice and then to academia when you work with academia. So, yeah, so I would summarize that portfolio career is that career that strengths two aspects of the profession. In my case, it is the kind of academic think tank aspect and the private practice aspect. And it allows you to, to kind of cross-fertilize those areas through the knowledge you acquire in each. As I said, there is no one way to get into biodiversity or climate risk. You, you can have a variety of ways. But from my personal experience, the biggest booster in my professional journey and also like, you know, intellectual understanding of these issues was doing masters. Uh, when I, I did my masters before I joined uh, the, the profession as a trainee, and that was just such a such an incredible aspect that I could bring in because nobody had to had to explain to me what the Paris Agreement was. Nobody had to explain to me the basics of climate law because I knew them because I did actually focus on them on mass in my masters. So I think that that would be my advice. But again, it comes from my experience. So many other people could give you other advice that would be equally valuable. With the portfolio career, it's it's definitely not an easy thing to do in legal profession because legal profession is heavily regulated. So wanting to go into some sort of middle stage, if you will, is is difficult. But there, you know, at the same time, we have we have so many resources that can help us. So before I set everything up, I called the solicitor's regulation authority so many times to check whether what I'm doing is right. And I know that many people don't even know they can do it. You can call SRA for ethical questions if you, if you don't know what to do and there is some conflict. You can call them for questions which are more factual. Can I do this? Is this okay? So that was really helpful. They were, they were extremely helpful. The, you know, they answered the line immediately and um, the person is on the other side of the line is always very competent. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised and that really helped me kind of put myself into this position which align with my values and kind of my future prospects where I, where I want to end up. Going back to pre-law degree, I think one thing I had a wish, I, I wish I had known is how regulated, how heavily regulated legal profession is. 
because um, I have a lot of friends who work in startups or other kind of business, more business careers. And um, thinking about the urgency of climate and biodiversity crisis, you really need to be able to have impact with what you do. And because law is so heavily regulated and the profession and progression in the profession reflects it, often, you know, you have to do your two-year training contract. There is no way to fast-track it or there is limited way to fast-track it. You then, in most law firms, you have to spend five years as an associate and then until you get to a decision-making position when you're a partner, that's like 10 years of your life, which doesn't really correspond with the urgency of what we are doing. The biggest challenge I have now working with my clients is definitely communicating the findings that we have made in my biodiversity risk research. Some of them are heavy. Um, some of them are very uh, challenging. So to kind of challenging the premise of corporate law can be quite a, you know, quite a difficult task to do. And uh, I'm a person who is very much action focused. So when I do something and I have a program that I want my client to implement, I'm like, oh, we start tomorrow, right? We start implementing. And then they are stopping me and say, we, we need to start to communicate these messages first so that we get the hearts and minds of people before we start challenging these premises. So, uh, you know, lawyers, we, we tend to communicate in difficult language, in legal terms, but sometimes you really have to communicate in easier sentences, easier language. And I think that is really challenging because you have to get the content of your communication right and the means and the target audience. So that is a challenge I'm looking forward to because it's definitely outside of what I have been studying, what I have learned outside of my comfort zone, but also uh, I'm introverted and I always read books about things I don't know about. So there are fantastic books about how to communicate uh, with purpose and impact. And I think that is something I'm looking forward to as well, kind of educating myself on that communication aspect, which is often neglected in legal profession, but which is so important for uh, urgent crises like climate change and biodiversity. We hope you enjoyed the episode and thank you very much for listening. To make sure that you're notified every time we release a new episode, please subscribe, like or follow the show. The Hearing, my legal job and me, a podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash the hearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.